Welcome to The Burn, the On Fire Style. I'm your host, John Zalepka. Our show is focused on life safety and code compliance in the built environment, which puts me on a mission to find the most interesting people in this space and get their unique perspectives. Our hope is that our listening audience walks away with an understanding of how our guests and their businesses also contribute to the promotion of life safety of whatever is being built. Our show, as always, is brought to you by Specified Technologies, also known as STI Firestop. And since 1990, STI has been a leading global provider of innovative fire protective solutions that help stop the spread of fire, smoke, and hot gases. Our guest today is the official spokesperson for the modular construction industry. He's been involved in leadership roles in modular construction since 2004, when he was named executive director for the Modular Building Institute. Please welcome Tom Hardiman. Hello, Tom. Hey, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Appreciate you taking some time out and getting on the show. Hey, thanks for uh, having me on as a guest. For sure. Now, I, I don't know if you've listened to the show, but I always like to start on a personal note rather than jumping into the whole business of things. So I'd like to take you back all the way to the 20th century, if you will. Uh, Huntington, West Virginia, Marshall University. Oh, yes. So after doing a little bit of digging on LinkedIn and some cross-referencing on some dates, it looks like you might have just missed the future Hall of Fame wide receiver Randy Moss on campus tearing up the gridiron for the Thundering Herd. Uh, Were you a football fan? I missed him on campus, but I saw many of his games, almost every home game. And he had another pro quarterback, Mr. Chad Pennington, throwing the ball to him quite often. So those were the glory years for Marshall football. I imagine it must have been a really exciting time on campus. Uh, I, I bet it brought you back many a times, like you said. What were you involved in while you were at school? Uh, any any sports, football, anything like that yourself? You know, not really. I'm not a typical college kid. I grew up in Huntington, so I, I literally lived at home. So Marshall was my hometown school. Uh, not real involved in the whole uh, campus activity. Just went there, got my degree, worked, got out of town. Yeah, well, I saw that you stuck around for your MBA, so that that's pretty significant. Did you have a sense of what you'd wind up doing now, or kind of no, like most business students, and you're like, I'll figure that out eventually? I had no clue. I, I was uh, nearly a senior, and I said, I have no idea what I what I want to do with my life. Uh, but it worked out well. Um, association management, nonprofit management, lets me uh, do a little bit of management, marketing, finance, accounting, a little bit of everything on a daily basis. So that's that's great, and. You know, I, I've got to uh, thank Marshall because that's where I met my awesome wife, Leslie, and my daughter is now a freshman at Marshall. So, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're thundering herd people all the way. Awesome. That's great. Uh, you mentioned the association management, but before that, I, I see that you were helping small businesses and entrepreneurs as a director at Small Business Development Center. Um, is that kind of what led you into what you're doing now? A little bit. Yeah, I've always had this passion for uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners. I was in uh, banking and insurance, and then um, I've probably written 150, 200 business plans and financial loan packages and back in my earlier years. So um, always uh, interested in trying to help uh, particularly small businesses. Sure. And, and so I guess that's what you are now, uh, an advocate for those businesses. I had to look up through letters after your name, Certified Association Executive, CAE. Yeah. Um, You've done your homework. I've done. I have to, you know, um, and you're great with posting on LinkedIn. So I appreciate all the information there. It makes uh, getting these questions together very easy. But uh, I guess going back to that, you know, you were the director of the Associated Builders Contractors first. So at what led you into the world of construction? I, I know you said you always find your way somehow, right? Yeah. It, you know, I was working in the, that small business consulting role and this opportunity in West Virginia came uh, open for 
uh, director of the Associated Builders and Contractors, which is a construction trade group. Um, you know, I've, I've got brothers in the construction business, but I'm not one of those that's very handy when you get on site. Um, I'm better at uh, being the advocate for the issues than actually doing the work. Um, so that, that was an interesting uh, four or five years of my life. Um, at the time, um, West Virginia was uh, not quite as pro-business as it is now. Um, and, and let's just say Associated Builders and Contractors, for your listeners that know, have a very, uh, they have a merit shop philosophy, which sometimes puts you on the opposite side of the table with some organized labor groups, which it did with me at the time. And um, around 2004, uh, my wife and I, we just had our, uh, our daughter. Um, we decided it was time for a change. And we, uh, we looked at what opportunities were near Huntington, because a lot of our family's there, and landed in Charlottesville, Virginia, um, with the Modular Building Institute. So uh, it's worked out great since then. And uh, we love it here. And um, so far, so good. 18 years later. Awesome. So what did you know about modular at the time? I mean, in fact, let's start with, I guess, the most basic of questions. What What is modular construction for someone who doesn't really know? Well, that, that's the good place to start. When they hired me, I knew very little about modular construction. You know, I knew how to be an advocate for uh, an industry and issues. And, and, and uh, probably more importantly, I, I was, uh, I don't know, smart enough or humble enough to listen to the industry veterans as they uh, helped guide me along uh, those early years. Modular construction, really, in its basic form, what we're talking about is is a is a process where you're constructing a building or a home um, in an offsite factory um, in modules, volumetric six sided modules. Those boxes coming out of the factory, transport them to the site, um, and then you assemble them on the site to make the final home or building, uh, and if you will. Um, the term offsite is a little confusing. Um, you know, it encompasses a lot of other forms of construction, panelized, precast concrete. But uh, here at MBI, we're, we're talking about volumetric modular boxes, if you will, coming out of the factory. So I, now I understand there's two main types of modular. You have the, your permanent modular construction and your relocatable buildings, your RBs. Now, I understand why relocatable buildings would have to be built offsite, but what are some of the benefits why someone might choose to build offsite for a permanent structure? Uh, great question. Um, the main advantage is the shortened construction schedule, the speed to occupancy. Uh, and if you think about it, um, you're working on your site, on your foundations uh, in a traditional construction process. Once your, your site is ready, you start your construction of your building. With off-site construction, it allows you to have basically two construction sites working simultaneously. So your foundation's ready. You can have your building modules substantially complete in the factory. Um, you, you schedule the, the delivery and the install and the crane setup, and you can have a four, five, six-story building under roof within a week. Um, now, it, there's a lot of site work to be done. There's a lot of finish work. But nonetheless, you can get several stories under roof within a week because you're doing this concurrent, uh, you know, construction uh, process. So speed is the big advantage. That's the big driver. Uh, but there are a ton of other benefits uh, with modular. Uh, much less material waste going to our landfills using this process. Um, and that's simply because uh, the modular manufacturer, they're ordering materials, they're putting it into this building module, whatever doesn't get used, 
they're putting it back on their shelves for inventory for a later project or or uh, making the, the module more robust. It's not going to the landfill like you see on a lot of typical construction sites. So uh, material waste reduction, speed, worker safety is one we don't talk about a lot. Well, let's talk we, about it. This is life safety. So yeah, um, I mean, it's, this it's is a perfect huge. segue. <laughs> um, we're basically taking the construction site and shifting it to an indoor controlled factory setting. Um, you're building the first floor of the building on a factory floor. You're building the 10th floor on a factory floor. You've virtually eliminated fall protection risks, which is one of the biggest risks in the construction industry. Uh, you've almost taken that out of the equation by shifting the construction to an indoor factory floor. Um, so that's huge. Um, you know, and just the, uh, I don't know, convenience and logistics of, Workers showing up at the same manufacturing facility week after week. Um, again, a controlled setting. They're not outside in, in, in inclement weather, hanging off the side of a building, um, not knowing where next week's job is going to take them. It, it just makes for a more stable uh, workforce, um, a more reliable workforce, uh, and, and one that tends to stick around a little longer than you would maybe in traditional construction. So worker safety. Uh, material waste reduction and speed are the big drivers. Oh, great answers. Great answers. So, I mean, it, I, I see signs on job sites all the time. Everyone has the right to go home at the end of the day. So uh, that's, that's terrific that uh, you can control that in such a controlled environment. But what about uh, when they're being put together? I mean, I imagine they're going to different jurisdictions, which are probably all based on the IBC, the model building codes, uh, so in what ways do, can you ensure that the life safety is, is met in those cases? Yeah, another good question. So you're right. It's typically the IBC. Um, and, and even though it's built in a factory, and that factory may be in another state, and sometimes that factory is in another country, um, it still has to meet the local building codes where the building will be the final building site. So if that's in Texas, it's got to meet the Texas building codes. If that's in New York City, it's got to meet the New York City building codes. So there's no um, getting around the building code by using modular. We have to build to the same code. It's just a different process. Um, typically, uh, how that uh, happens, how we ensure a safe code compliant building is uh, one of two ways. Uh, several states have their own modular administrative programs, uh, 36 states, in fact, um, and they set out the rules for how we're going to inspect a modular building, how we're going to uh, verify the quality control, things like that. Um, they either do that with their own internal staff at the state level, or they outsource that to independent uh, third-party engineers and, and inspection agencies. Um, and then it's the manufacturer that has to coordinate. I've got an independent third party, um, say for the state of Virginia, the state of Virginia accepts that third party's, you know, stamped set of plans. Um, so you just follow the, the state protocols. Um, but what you end up with is a building process that really is, has more oversight than conventional construction because you have a state level uh, oversight as well as the local jurisdiction. Um, so the second part of that is Really, only about half of the total construction project occurs in the factory. The rest of it is site-built. Uh, the foundations, the utility hookups, the connections of the mods. Uh, that is the local code official's uh, 
jurisdiction, if you will. So there's still coordination and integration between uh, who has oversight over what's happening on site versus off site. Um, it, it does uh, require a good bit of communication and coordination on the front end for, for a successful modular project. So how can people find out how to best communicate and coordinate? Uh, is that something that they would look into the building, uh, the Modular Building Institute to help them? That would be the easiest way. We've had uh, companies from overseas say, we want to build for the U.S. And, and we say, which state? And they're like, no, the whole country. And we're saying, no, uh, there's 50 states. There's 36 different regulatory programs that you're going to have to understand and register with and, and get approved by. And then there's 14 states that don't have a program that you're kind of at the mercy of the local building code official. So it's it's a little tricky to navigate the regulatory uh, map if you're not familiar with this industry. That's a lot of what our trade association does. We have great relationships with these agencies. If someone's new to it or really what happens a lot of times is a, one of our members will call and say, I'm having difficulty in this jurisdiction. The local code official is pushing back and won't let me deliver my modules. We get involved and talk to the local code official, the state program. A lot of times it's just a the matter that the local does not understand the modular process or doesn't realize there's a state oversight. And it's just a matter of education and communication by and large. But um, it's not easy if you're new to it. So I would highly recommend reach out to us and we can help navigate that path and make it much smoother. Great. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to ask, uh, you mentioned awareness of, of the different uh, laws and codes and standards in these different states. And has that been the, the challenge over the years that, that you've been involved with the Institute is, is pushing that awareness and getting the different states to, to adopt these measures? Yeah, that's, that's probably been the biggest barrier to greater adoption. Uh, two things. One is the code officials, um, Lack of understanding, I guess, is a, a fair way to put it. And I'm not intending that as a slight to them, but there's a lot of them that they don't have a lot of modular projects in their jurisdiction, so they're just not familiar with it. Uh, the word modular is not in the building code anywhere. So uh, it's just this thing that falls between the gaps in a lot of cases. Um, so that's part of it. And then this owner, the perception of modular. Uh, when I started, that was the biggest challenge. It was people heard the word modular, and in their mind, they pictured mobile home, uh, trailer. That was what their picture was in their mind. And we're like, no, that's not what it is. We're talking about a construction process, wood, steel, concrete. Um, you can build 10 stories. You can build 20 stories. There's one in uh, England that's 44-story modular building right now. So it's just a different mindset on how to build a building. Um, but those have historically been the challenges is that perception of what modular is. It's cheaper, which is, you know, lower quality, which is a total falsehood. And then the code official um, misunderstanding or lack of understanding. That's, a, again, kind of our role here at MBI is that outreach and education piece. So awesome. And now you also are the executive director for the Modular Home Builders Association. Is that more of a, a contractor uh, type of an association? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, so um, in 2012, MBI, Modular Building Institute, primarily commercial markets, uh, education, office, retail, healthcare, multifamily. Um, the Modular Home Builders is single family modular uh, industry. So it's the manufacturers and 
home builders in that group. Um, and I've been the director there for 10 years now. Um, different building codes, uh, different marketing. You're, you're marketing to, you know, mom and pop that want to build a home versus, you know, McDonald's that wants to build a hundred franchises. Um, so there's, there is a reason to keep them two separate trade organizations and, but they are under the same staff and management team kind of running, uh, parallel paths, if you will. Well, it sounds like you have your hands full there. So is that what led you to start your, your company, Hardeman Williams? And I see you offer a lot of services for association management, performance efficiency, and things like that for other nonprofits. Yeah, boy, you really did your homework. So, I told so, you I did. <laughs> um, so I was hired as the director of MBI, the Modular Building Institute, in 2004. And then around 2012, we realized um, there's a lot of other opportunities out here that the, the MBI board of directors said, you know, we're not interested in pursuing residential or other forms of offsite were commercial modular. And that's good. That's good that they stay focused on that. So we, we worked with the board and said, Let, what if we created this new business model? Let us form our own management company, contract back with you for your services, but then let us go pick up the residential group and uh, start developing these offsite construction expos that we've been doing. Um, and that's worked out well for all parties. So we're able to really put... Um, a lot of the off-site construction umbrella under the same management team so that we're, you know, knowledge sharing and the best practices. And, and when we need, when we have an issue that it affects both, we're able to hire a lobbyist or an attorney and share the costs between the, uh, the two organizations. So that's the big benefit of having that independent management company is you can learn from each of the other organizations. You can share resources when needed um, and, and help grow the industry faster. Kaizen, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Now, you mentioned the off-site construction expos. Do you have any of those scheduled yet this year? How can people sign up or, or learn about those? We do. Um, they're, they tend to be regional events. We've got three scheduled for this year. So excited to be back in person this year. We had to do some digital ones uh, the last couple of years. Uh, Sacramento in June. Um, we're going to be doing one in Washington, D.C. in August, and then Denver in September. Uh, those are one-day shows. We have typically 25 to maybe 30 regional exhibitors, and they are providers of off-site solutions, modular, prefab, panelized, uh, precast concrete. Those are the exhibitors. Uh, typically have six case study or panel presentations. And then the audience are owner, developers, architects, contractors who want to learn more about this. So it's really kind of a, a one-day crash course that, we can bring these people in and say, here's six presentations. Here's all the providers in your region. Have at it. Um, so we're doing three of those this year. Uh, we expect uh, you know, good crowds at all three of them. Um, Sacramento is probably going to be pretty heavily focused on, on the housing market because that's a huge opportunity out there. Um, but we're also looking at things, and, and no surprise, uh, disaster and emergency relief. Uh, our industry is fantastic at providing quick space. Um, we had a lot of that during COVID and now there's this discussion or interest or, or, or even really pressure to, you know, how do we provide housing for, you know, millions of Ukrainian refugees that are just with nowhere to go. Um, so we've got about 25 European members in MBI and we're, we're talking about ways that our industry can, you know, step up and help with that, that crisis as well. So ton of opportunities out there, uh, it's, it's exciting times. 
For so, sure. Tom, do you want to plug how, the, how someone could sign up for the Offsite Construction Expo or maybe even to find out more about uh, what you were just saying, your involvement with the Ukraine? Yeah, it's the offsiteconstructionexpo.com, and then everything's there. We've got case studies. We've got uh, five trade associations actually support uh, this offsite construction uh, page, and they're all listed there, and you can learn more about them. Um, I got all of our events there. We've done some video interviews uh, and posted there. So offsiteconstructionexpo.com um, or just tom at modular.org is my email. And I'm I'm still old school email guy rather than uh, text. So that's great. Me an email. So let's talk about the big one, Tom. Uh, World of Modular. We have the event coming up in San Antonio, April 25th to the 28th, I believe. STI is going to be there. We'll be at booth. 427 shameless plug right there no why that's don't you, great <laughs> why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what they can expect at the world of modular well thank you um world of modular is the the biggest and longest running conference for modular construction um, and again we're talking about volumetric uh, modular construction the whole industry gets together we typically have around a thousand attendees at these events uh, when i started we have 300 400 people and it was a great show but now it's grown. Uh, the, the biggest growth in our attendees is actually owners, developers, architects, contractors, traditional construction people wanting to learn more about modular. So they come to our show four days. It's 100% the best value if you want to go to a modular construction show. Um, we're, you're, you're all in at our show. Um, you pay. That includes all your receptions, all your you know open bars, breakfast. We throw a dinner in. Uh, but the real key thing about it is uh, there are literally hundreds of decision makers walking those hallways, sitting in breakouts beside you. Um, you could set your business up for the next two years just by coming to that show and um, talking to people. Uh, over 100 exhibitors, including companies like yours. So it's just a great opportunity for the whole industry to get together, share best practices, learn from one another, make tremendous connections. Um, but the best part of it for me is all the money we raise from this event gets reinvested back into our industry. So we use the proceeds from this event to do more marketing, to do more professional development, to do uh, more lobbying. Um, and no other show can say that. No other show. They're for-profit events. That money goes bye-bye once you leave the conference. Ours stays right here in the industry. So come to World of Modular. Yeah. So where can they sign up for that one, Rod? Why don't you plug that link and then we'll put them in the show notes afterwards too. Modular.org. And there's a big old banner there for World of Modular. Um, it's got all the details, registration, the hotel information. Uh, La Quintera Resort in San Antonio. There's a nice golf course there if that's your thing. You can, you know, the, on your off days, you can hit the river walk. But it should be a beautiful resort, beautiful weather. Um, we've got, gosh, I think 90 speakers lined up over those, uh, those uh, three days, four days. Um, so it, we're bringing our whole team. We're kind of all in on this one. Um, we've we've kind of made the commitment. If there is someone at that show you want to meet, my staff or I will personally introduce you to them. And I've been to a lot of trade shows, John. I, I know you probably have too. Nah, that's a great guarantee has right the there, Tom. <laughs> has the conference organizer ever said, Never. who do you want to meet? I'll go yeah. introduce you. That's we do terrific. that. We'll do that. Awesome. Awesome. So. And if someone's listening in the future and they missed the show, this is an annual event as well, right? Correct. It's annual. There is a digital portion this year. Yeah, it was all digital last year, which was, you know, it was it, it is what it is. Uh, we had to do all digital last year. We had 1,300 attendees. 
This year it's in person, but we will have uh, one track. Our main track will be live broadcast. So you can at least get a taste of it if you're not able to get there in person. There will be a digital uh, package available. But yeah, it's our annual event. It's the industry annual trade show and um, should be just fantastic event this year. We're looking forward to it. Awesome. All right. So you have no excuse. Go learn about modular. Tom, I really appreciate the time today. It was a pleasure getting to know you. Well, John, thank you so much for having me. And uh, again, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Great. Thanks again, Tom. And, and we'd like to thank everyone listening in. We know that there's a lot of podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to ours. It's humbling. So thank you. Thank you very much. And be sure to check out the show notes to the links to some of the things to sign up. Uh, what we spoke about in the episode. And finally, if you are enjoying the show, please support the podcast. Tell a friend about it. Like our posts on social media. Or if you know how to leave a rating or review, I don't, I'm told it's a good thing. So please do that as well. And if you'd like to learn even more about fire stopping for modular construction, please check out our events page at stifirestop.com. You can sign up for some upcoming webinars that we have. It's actually called Fire Stopping for Modular Construction on April 20th and May 4th. And until the next time, this is The Burn.